You're listening to A Conduit's Diary. This is a podcast about me, Rachel, and my experiences as I investigate paranormal activity as a conduit. This is rated R for explicit because I do have a little bit of a foul mouth. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen to it. Let's hop into episode 21, The Apartment Upstairs. It was actually raining. Big, fat raindrops were falling from the normally bright blue sky and dropping the temperature enough that I could open the door to my townhome to let the cool air in. It was rare that the temperature dropped below 90 degrees in July in Phoenix, even at night. Now the 75-degree breeze was filtering in through the open door, and I was hesitant to leave. Petunia sat in front of the door, her snoring nearly drowning out the sound of the perpetual patter. A few foster kittens were terrorizing everything around them, while my latest bottle baby puppy snoozed in a kennel near the back door. This was the first time in years I felt relaxed, at peace. Since I released Anthony, I I hadn't heard from him. At first, the hole it left behind was too great. July 25th was the anniversary of his death, and for the first time in years, I didn't spend it locked up. Maybe it's because I wasn't constantly reminded of him. Maybe it's because working with Harry made me feel like I actually had a purpose again. Whatever it was, this was good. Good was more than I could hope for. I was loath to pack up my things and head out the door to the downpour to go to my next case, but I sucked it up. I left 30 minutes early, which ended up being a good idea because the freeway was flooded and I had to take surface streets most of the way. This assignment was out of the norm for me. First of all, It was at an apartment complex. I hadn't investigated an apartment complex in what felt like decades. Usually people who lived in them couldn't afford my services. This, however, was an exception. This person reached out to me on a pro bono basis after spending their meager salary on Vince. Yes, that Vince. Her email was filled with the typical hoopla he engaged in. She described feats of exorcism that bordered on an early 2000s CGI in terms of realism. I shouldn't have smirked reading the email. This was the woman's life, after all. But fuck, and I mean this wholeheartedly, Vince. The apartment complex wasn't in a particularly bad area. Arcadia was up and coming, many people calling it the new Scottsdale. It had an old town charm with the typical stings of gentrification that made it cookie-cutter and safe quote-unquote, in appearance. I passed by a few low-income housing units that were mid-bulldoze, with signs up about a local craft brewery popping up where they once stood. The next corner had an aerial yoga studio. I shouldn't have been surprised. I'd watched a similar makeover happen in Chandler and Gilbert over the years. Hell, even North Phoenix, once considered no man's land, was popping off with resorts. This apartment complex was on the border of Arcadia, and a whole three blocks from a brewery, which made it basically the slums. Diane was on the second floor of a three-story apartment building. It was in the middle of a facelift. The outside was being pressure-washed and painted in segments as I parked in the guest parking. The courtyard I walked through to get to her building number showed a pool that was hopping with young people barbecuing and splashing around, despite the rain. Didn't their mothers ever warn them about lightning? Diane met me at the door before I even knocked, her smile wide as she looked me over. Rachel? she asked. 
I nodded, extending my hand. Nice to meet you, Diane, I said. She opened the door a little bit more, letting me in. Cute place, I said, jerking my chin to the scene outside. She rolled her eyes and shut and locked the door behind me. It's just a reason to jack rent up another few hundred dollars. Yikes, I hissed. She shrugged. Just waiting for the market to slow down and I'll buy a place. I don't want to get stuck with some overpriced disaster in the middle of nowhere, like Florence. She grimaced and I laughed, following her as she pointed out a comfortable, lived-in couch which I fell into. Thanks so much for coming. I know you're normally expensive. I'm grateful you're even here, she said as she sat next to me and turned slightly to face me. How did you find out about me? I asked, curious. My friend is a nanny. She nannied for one of your clients. She overheard them talking about you and got your information for me. Small world, I remarked. I figured Vince didn't give you my information. Her face darkened immediately, her black eyebrows furrowing until they nearly met in the center of her head. Don't worry. I hate him, too. He's a sham, I offered. Something about Diane put me at ease, and I didn't feel like I needed to be super professional businesswoman around her. She shook her head, waving her hand. It was... too much. That's an apt description. So, tell me about what's going on. You didn't give many details in your email, I said. As much as I'd love to shit-talk Vince, this was a free visit. I wasn't going to take more time than I absolutely had to. I chanced to glance around while she took a deep inhale. My mother was in the process of teaching me to use other senses to identify ghosts and hauntings, and I tried to cast a net over the apartment, feeling for anything that set off alarm bells. My net returned empty, and I had hoped that whatever was going on in Diane's apartment could be cured by maintenance or something. I honestly don't know where to start, she said at last, exhaling a long breath. Well, what did you tell Vince? I offered. Nothing. He just showboated in and set up cameras and didn't listen to me. It's not my apartment that's haunted. It's, it's my neighbor. Your neighbor? I asked, confused. Will they be joining us? Diane shook her head, chewing on her lip. It's complicated. That's why it's hard to describe. It started a few days after I moved in. I got this apartment out of steel. Everything else in the area is like $1,600 for a one-bedroom apartment. I'm talking like 400 square feet studios. I was working with an apartment hunter, and she happened to know there was a room here that the owner had trouble filling. I figured it was because it didn't offer its own parking spot or something, but I was shocked that it had so much with it. I pay less than a grand for a thousand square foot apartment in Arcadia. I have covered parking. They even said I'd get pet rent for free. That is a steal, I agreed. She nodded enthusiastically. Yeah, right? So I jumped at the opportunity. I thought I was going to be in the middle of nowhere, but when I got here, this is a nice area. I signed the lease after a literal two-second tour of the property. They really stressed that this particular unit had a one-year minimum lease, and it was going to cost an arm and a leg to break it. The other leases are month-to-month -month if you want, but I figured with the price they want to get some assurance. I don't know what I was thinking. It should have been a red flag. The whole thing should have been a red flag. I don't know. I've always been told not to look a gift horse in the mouth, I offered. She nodded along as if she understood. Well, next time I'm going to take that horse to the vet. I think if I'd done some sort of research, I would have understood, you know? I feel like it's my fault. Well, let's just start with what you notice first, I offered, trying to get her to the point. The noises, she said. It was the typical stuff you'd hear from an upstairs neighbor. Scuffing of shoes, heavy footsteps, sometimes weird scraping noises. 
The first few times I heard it at night, I figured they'd had kids and they were pacing in the kitchen or something, you know? Like a baby they were trying to get to sleep. I figured I never heard it cry because the walls were thin, but not the floor. Sometimes it was rhythmic pacing, just the steady back and forth. It helped me to sleep at first. It was relaxing to hear the noise. It wasn't at any particular hour. Sometimes it was during the day. Just pacing. Back and forth. Back and forth. That doesn't sound like a haunting, I offered. She held up her hand to stop me. I know, I know. It was just so innocent and honestly not that bad. I moved here after my office opened back up, so I wasn't really home much. Not like during the start of the pandemic when I was working from home. I think I would have noticed it sooner. The rhythm. The rhythm, I asked. She nodded. I realized the sounds were the same over and over without a single change in how they happened. Once they started, it would be five paces, half second pause, then five paces back. Pause. Every third pace, there'd be a scuff. Every seventh pace was a chair scrape. Over and over. Who does something that consistently? I thought the person above me had OCD or something and I kind of felt bad for them. It was just so rhythmic. Then I started thinking, if they had OCD, they'd have to do it the same hour every time, right? I shrugged. I genuinely had no idea. Yeah, I didn't think about that till later when things started to come together. I was living here for about three weeks when I ran into the neighbor at the mailbox. She saw me get the mail from the box and asked me how I liked the room. She said no one lived there long, usually just a few weeks. I didn't think anything of it, but she was really weird, asking me all sorts of questions. I shook her off. It it was after a long day at work and I didn't want to play 20 questions about my room. She told me good luck. It was weird. She paused and I waited, waiting for when she'd get to the part where she thought there was a haunting. One night, the noises changed and it it freaked me out. I was almost asleep on my couch when I heard a loud crash. I thought it was coming from my apartment, so I jumped up and looked around. I realized it was coming from the room above me. There was a bang and I swear I could hear someone screaming. I thought someone was genuinely hurt, so I called the front desk, but they were closed because it was after hours. I didn't want to go investigate myself because what if they had a weapon, you know? You never know in Phoenix. People are lawless here. Anyway, I called the 24-hour maintenance line next. I told them there was something going on in the apartment above me. I thought someone was hurt. They waved me off, asked if I'd gone up to check the room myself. I told them no, because I was worried that someone was hurt or something. By that time, the noises were gone. It was dead silent. I went up the stairs and knocked on the door. Nothing happened. No one answered. The apartment was silent. No lights on. Nothing. I called the police non-emergency line and told them what happened. They said they'd send someone out to take a look. I don't know if they ever did. It's not like they tell you those things, you know? Anyway, I figured if something truly happened, I'd see the cops there. But days went by and there was no noise overhead and no ambulance showed up, so I figured it was nothing. Maybe someone dropped something? I don't know. About three days later, the pacing started back up. I tried to track the times and it was never the same hour, just kind of random. Pacing, scuff, pacing, drag. So I started to camp out. I wanted to see who lived there. That way, if something happened again, I could give the police a name. I would sit by the pool and watch the mailbox for anyone who went near that particular mailbox. Nada. For two weeks. I didn't know where their parking spot was since I don't really have my own and they're not numbered by apartment number. I tried to ask the front desk out of curiosity, but they wouldn't give me any information. I don't blame them. I didn't even know what the person above me looked like. Then it happened again. A month to the day after that loud noise, 
I was watching TV on the couch and I could feel the walls vibrate with the crash. I would have missed it if it wasn't a quiet part in the movie I was watching. I muted the TV and listened and it was the same thing. Crash, scream, dragging. This time I decided to look for myself. I called the police and had them on the line as I investigated. I waited until they showed up. I managed to record the noise this time. We all banged on the door and no one answered. They were worried someone had been killed, so they called the maintenance line and demanded someone open the apartment door. What happened? I asked. The maintenance people said no one lived in that apartment. At first they refused to come unlock the door, but the police demanded it. Squatters, you know? So the maintenance guy came up and he was really pissed, muttering about how the apartment would be the death of him. He opened the door and sure enough, it was empty. The entire apartment, I asked. She nodded. I literally looked into every room and there was no sign of life anywhere. No sleeping bags or anything from squatters. It still smelled like the cleaning solution they used between tenants. I'd been hearing noises from an apartment that was empty. Are you sure it wasn't any of the other apartments and you thought it was the one above you? I asked. She shook her head. No, I'm sure it's right overhead. She looked at her watch and nodded. Just wait. It's going to start in three minutes. What? I thought you said it was random, I asked. She shook her head. I was wrong. It happens every five hours and 22 minutes. The pacing, that is. The monthly attack. That's always at night, like 11 or 11.30. Monthly attack, I asked. She nodded. Every month at exactly 31 days. It's happened four times since I've been here. I can set my watch to the noises. She looked up, waiting. Sure enough, at the three-minute mark, I heard it. The unmistakable sound of someone pacing. I could count the steps, and she moved her hands along with them, like conducting a symphony. Wow, I said, my eyes looking up to the apartment above us. Yeah, and it turns out my apartment isn't the only one with issues. They've never tried to rent the one above me, at least not for three years. I couldn't find anything that happened there, but who knows? The ones on either side of them are safe, though I heard some whispers that they may hear the monthly screaming and just ignore it. They get a discounted rate, too. Not as much as mine, but still discounted. I found out who the neighbors were at the mailbox one day, and I sort of cornered them. I ran into my next-door neighbor again, and she admitted something similar. That my apartment was never rented for long, and the people leaving feeling, feeling spooked. I'm assuming management knows, but what can they do? So I hired Vince. I figured he could, like, draw the spirit down and get rid of it. You think it's a spirit? I asked. She shrugged, waving her hands. What else would it be? Oh, shit, what else is there? I bit my lip to keep from answering. Maya's turning to the ceiling as the pacer started up another stroll. Does it bother you? I asked, watching as she fidgeted uncomfortably. The monthly one does. I think if you can't help, I'll just avoid being around during the day. But it's worse than that. It's starting to bleed into this apartment. What do you mean? I asked. Her eyes darted around. So the last time the screaming happened, last month, I was in my bed. I heard it and was staring at the ceiling, listening to it when I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I sat up and that's when I realized the shadows in the corner of my room were wrong. I couldn't focus my eyes enough to really understand what I was looking at. I thought I was seeing things, but then the shadows moved. It was like one of those Rorschach paintings. The shadows were pulsing. They were leaking from the ceiling. It was like watching paint drip, but instead of color, it was the absence of light. 
just shadows slowly dripping from the corner of my ceiling. And as if the sight wasn't frightening enough, it was the feeling. I felt like something was sitting on my chest, something heavy. The closer the shadows came to me, the harder it was for me to move. I felt paralyzed and terrified. I I know you'll say it's just sleep paralysis, but it's not. I was awake. I'd never fallen asleep. I could move my hands and my feet. I just felt like I was too physically tired to move. Like something dark was sitting on my soul. She shuddered and rubbed her arms. If I'd stuck to that apartment, I think I'd have been okay. I don't mind the pacing and the monthly screaming. I can avoid that. I'll go to a movie or the bars. But I'm worried it's trying to reach out to me. Sometimes I feel like someone is watching me from the corners of the room or through the air vent. I pass under it and I swear I see something out of the corner of my eye. It's like a trick of the light, but you can't replicate it and it's unreliable. Anyway, I think it's... I don't know. Can you be possessed? I guess it depends on your definition, I offered slowly. She shook her head. No, that's answer enough. You can. I know you don't want to scare me. I think it wants me or something. I sat back and turned my gaze to the ceiling, trying to see if I could feel anything. Unfortunately, it wasn't that easy. When I couldn't see it, and there was nowhere to look where I was casting my net, I wasn't sure if my training with my mother had gotten me there yet. What did Vince say? I asked. A demon, she said, twisting her face like she believed it. I nodded and gave her a wry smile. He thinks everything is a demon, to be fair. But you don't? You don't think there's a demon above me? She asked, hopefully. I considered it. I doubt it, but I need to see it. I don't think I can do anything from down here. Diane nodded, lowering her head. I'm sorry, I wish I could be of more help, I offered. Her head snapped up. Oh, I can get you in there. Now, if you'd like. Now? How? I asked. Her smile trembled a little. I may have found a key somehow. She winked, standing to move to a counter and grab a key from a dish. She led the way out of her apartment and up the stairs to the exact same one on the floor above. She was silent, moving with such a purpose I didn't want to interrupt her. What worried me is the way she moved, like she'd done this more than once. How did she get a key? She opened the door to the room and hurried in, waving me in quickly behind her. She shut the door behind us and I was plunged into darkness before she hit the switch and an artificial yellow light flickered on. They keep the power on in case someone tours the apartment, she offered by way of explanation. I nodded, unable to shake the suddenly heavy sensation inside the apartment. It was innocent looking enough. Empty living room with faded, dated carpet, an old kitchen with linoleum tile. It's like when they renovated the other rooms, they left this one alone, not wanting to change anything in it. My eyes roved the corners, feeling how heavy the shadows were sitting there. A shudder ran down my spine and my hair stood on end. How many times have you come here? I asked, turning to look at Diane and freezing. From time to time, she said, looking at me innocently. Behind her stood a man. He was about six foot three, standing nearly a full foot taller than her. His hand was on, no, it was in her shoulder. Despite looking very much like a normal man, his face was wrong. His smile reminded me of one of those marionette dolls. It was too wide, stretched painfully across his face. His eyes were wide and unblinking as they stared at me, that smile never faltering. I almost pointed him out to Diane when I noticed the shadows that bled off him in great wisps, highlighting that he was, in fact, not of this world. 
Diane, I said slowly, my eyes darting from the man to her. Diane blinked slowly, like she was in a daze, her eyes heavy as they tried to focus on me. Hmm? She asked. The thing behind her didn't move, didn't flinch, his hand firmly in her shoulder. Do you feel it now? I asked. The shadows? She didn't answer, her eyelids fluttering, no longer listening or seeing me. What do you want with her? I asked the man, taking a step closer. If his smile could stretch even more and crack his face, it would. He inhaled through his nose, a barely perceptible motion, trying to taste my scent on the air. I felt bile rise in my throat and force myself to take another step forward. Who are you? Still, he did not speak, just vibrating with the same energy every step forward I took. I made sure to keep Diane between the two of us, watching her body sway on her feet and her eyelids flutter. What's your name? I tried, keeping his attention away from my hand as I slid it into my purse. I knew exactly what this was. This was a leech. They had so many names, but at the end of the day, these were parasitic spirits that lived on emotion. Usually the emotions were ugly, like hate and fear. Sometimes they were able to get close enough to their victims so they could leech the actual life from them. It must have been what he was doing to Diane. Compared to her, I probably looked like a great big milkshake. Would you take a trade? I offered, taking another step forward. His fingers slid from her shoulder and they flexed, reaching for me. He was a terrible negotiator. My hand finally closed on what I was looking for and my fingers wrapped around it, hiding the small item in my palm. With my other hand, I reached out, my fingers reaching for his own. He nearly threw Diane out of the way to reach for me, clasping my hand in his clammy, ethereal one. The minute our hands touched, he knew he'd made a mistake. His eyes widened, the whites of them flaring. His head tilted back in surprise, that wide smile painted on his face turning down in the corners in the mockery of that smile as he felt the jolt. And my other hand was a black obsidian, the cool weight of it suddenly heating in my hand. I lifted that palm and pressed it to the back of his hand as it clamped onto my own. He tried to jerk his hand back, but he was stuck, rooted in place by the stone. I pressed it flush with his skin, letting it leech his energy slowly. I could practically see him fading before my eyes as the stone warmed and started to burn a little, sucking the dark energy out of him. That was the problem with stolen energy. It could be removed just as easily as it was taken. In this case, Diane's stolen energy jumped ship, sliding down his arm and into the stone. What the? Diane's voice sounded from over my shoulder. She was shaking from her stupor as the physical form of her tormentor was drained bit by bit. He faded, slowly, his mouth open in a silent scream. We watched, Diane wide-eyed, my brow furrowed in concentration as the leech disappeared from sight. At long last, he was gone, and the two warm obsidian pulsed in my hand. What was that? Diane asked, blinking furiously. Why are we in this room? She asked, her voice raising as she spoke. You don't remember coming here, I asked. She frowned, thinking. I remember you saying you needed to come up here, but I, I don't remember coming here. How did we get in? You had a key, I said carefully. She shook her head, but her hands went to her pocket, extracting a single key and looking at it with a sense of awe and terror. I think he's gone, I said. I couldn't cast my net right now. All I could feel was the angry thing locked in the obsidian stone in my hand, burning like a mini furnace. 
If there was anything else here, there's no way I could feel it. His stolen energy was too loud. You think? Diane pressed, looking more and more normal the longer he was gone. I shrugged. Listen, he's a leech. He steals energy. He must have used the noises to try and lure you up here. He was stuck up here for some reason. I don't want to know why. Maybe someone trapped him in this room? I don't know. In any case, he's gone. But if there's anything else here... I trailed off, looking around. I need to get rid of this, I said, pocketing the stone. I didn't want it rubbing against anything I owned in my bag, in the event some of his yuck rubbed off on it. Diane nodded, eyes wide, darting from my hand to the empty room. I left Diane in her apartment, taking the key for the apartment above before I left. The leech was making my skin crawl, and I did everything I could to prevent from touching it with my bare skin. I knew it would only take some cleaning water and maybe a sun charge to get rid of him, but how many rounds? Ugh, the idea of him being in my home that long made my skin crawl. Finally home, I tucked the stone into my haphazard collection of artifacts. I felt a bit like the warrants with my collection of odd talismans. Without a demon to sell them, too, they'd really accumulated. I watched them, listening to the rain trickle on the roof when my phone rang. Gear up, Harry said from the other line. We got a warm one. A Conduit's Diary is created by me, written and produced by me, mixed horribly and edited by me. Cover art created by BMC Design on Fiverr. Music, intro and outro, created by Chris Hornberger.